Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Applying Discipline to Implement Your Strategic Plan and Accelerate Your Organization. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and HR professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Daniel White. Daniel assists organizations with their organizational development needs, including strategic and operational planning, leadership development, and employee engagement efforts. He's worked with a wide range of industries, including construction, healthcare, manufacturing, banking, not-for-profits, and government organizations. He's also worked internationally as an organizational development consultant, serving organizations in Bolivia, Guatemala, and Ghana. So do you feel like your company never makes progress on its major initiatives? Do you have the same goals year after year? Are your meetings boring and full of report outs? Organizations often spend a lot of time, money, and effort creating a compelling vision for the future only to fail to implement it. Even with the best of intentions and planning, leadership often gets caught up in the daily firefight and loses sight of the big picture. In today's presentation, you'll learn how to prioritize initiatives, create the discipline and structure for follow-up, and maintain momentum in order to gain traction as an organization. And thank you all for attending today and hope that you're looking forward to getting a few tips here on how we can execute and as uh, we lead our organizations and try to improve for the future. So today, let's just jump right in and get to the objectives. So hopefully this is what you're here for today. So first of all, we want to help you figure out how to understand and prioritize your organization's goals. Hopefully you have some goals as an organization. Um, secondly, we want to learn how to create the necessary structure and discipline for execution. Like Taylor mentioned a lot of times, that's where things fall apart, is not actually in creating the plan for the future, but it's in the execution of that. So we're gonna talk about how we can uh, create that discipline that's necessary for it. And then lastly, we're gonna learn how to continue and maintain the momentum on your plan, or maybe even build the momentum for your plan um, if that's not something that you already have. So as we get started, I'd just like to start with, okay, what are some common symptoms that I often see that point to this underlying um, issue of a lack of execution or discipline? And so the first place I'd like to look is, first of all, with just individuals, because I think we can see it on an individual level pretty easily when we think about New Year's resolutions, right? We've all been there. We all have great intentions at the end of the year and say, okay, I'm going to start out this new year uh, with whatever new activity. Maybe I'm going to be eating healthy or maybe I'm going to be exercising or maybe I'm going to read a book every week or, or whatever it might be. We've all, hopefully, I think we've all done some New Year's resolutions that um, then we all often tend to, to what those fall away. We might stick with it for a week, two weeks, a month, two, three months, maybe if we're good. But what often ends up happening is that we then get back into the regular rhythm of things pre uh, our New Year's resolution and it doesn't really stick. And so, we have the best intentions every year. We keep coming back. We keep making those resolutions and maybe we just make one and we try our hardest and maybe we make some progress. But oftentimes New Year's resolutions end up being more of a joke in the past about what we weren't able to actually accomplish than what uh, than a, a thing that we're proud of accomplishing. Um, and this often is seen too when we look at our own individual to-do list items, whether it's a honey-do list or something that you know you need to do around the house or uh, getting your finances in order or whatever it is. There's a lot of things that we feel like it would be great to do individually, but uh, they often stay on our to-do list and they're always at the bottom of the to-do list because we're we cross other things off and they're always there because we know we need to, to do it, but we never quite get to it. And that often happens, I think, at work as well, where you know there's projects at work that we have to get done, but we just never quite have the time to do them. So I think these are very common symptoms. I think probably you can relate with 
both of those uh, just on an individual basis of lacking the follow-through or the execution to, to get those things done. So when we look at an organizational level, that looks similar, but maybe a little bit different. So maybe as an organization, we feel like we know what we need to do. We know we've got to do this initiative. We know we've got to get processes in place. We know we've got to tackle this people issue, but we never quite get it done. We never accomplish it. And we maybe even have the same goals year after year where maybe we do planning every year or every other year and we come back to plan and we realize, oh, we probably still need to keep that goal that we had from two years ago still on here because we haven't really made any progress on it. And so if that's a symptom of yours and your organization, that's probably showing that you lack some execution. Um, similarly, if you've got the same discussions year after year at your planning meeting or at uh, your, your manager meeting, if you're constantly just going over the same things, then obviously you're just discussing and you're not actually getting to the heart of the matter. And lastly, if you feel like just the general sense that you're being pushed around rather than being proactive. I often have people describe how they just feel like we're just being batted about by the waves or blown around by the wind and whatever the latest fad is or whatever uh, our manager gets is into, right? That's where we're going or whatever customer happens to come up. Um, sure, we'll go into the market. Sure, we'll do that, right? That's a very reactive way to uh, do things rather than proactively setting goals and seeking to accomplish those things. So uh, I think you probably could relate with many of these symptoms um, for your organization. And that's probably why you're here today. So um, I'm just interested, first of all, for our first question to, to know out of those symptoms, you know, which of those do you feel like you have most difficulty with as your organization? So take a minute here and answer this poll and remember to get your credit for CPE or HRCI. You've got to take part in all, all of the polling questions. So give you a couple more seconds here for the rest of you all to vote. Okay, we've got a handful more to maybe do it. Okay, um, so it's looking like we've, out of those, we've got a good uh, mixture of them, but a lot of people say we've got the same discussions year after year where we never actually move on and accomplish something. A third of you said the same goals year after year, 27% of you said you're being pushed around the mark by the market, just being reactive and not proactive, and then some say that you never feel like you accomplish what needs to be done. All of them uh, somewhat related, but thanks for sharing. That helps me understand where you're at. And um, I'll speak to some of those issues here later on as we continue. So I'd like for you to, to know, though, that you're not alone, because according to uh, one study by Kaplan and Norton, 60 to 90% of organizations fail to successfully implement their strategies. So again, like Taylor said in introducing this, just because your organization goes out, puts together a strategic plan, no matter how good of a strategic plan it is, if you don't implement it, then that's obviously not gonna get you very far. And, and this is where a lot of organizations fail is in the actual implementation of their plan rather than just knowing where we should go in and deciding on that. So that's why we are here today to try and figure out how do we reduce this number to help organizations actually implement things and execute rather than just spin their wheels. So let's move on to some solutions. What are some solutions that I can give you today that you can take away? So the first caveat that I would give you is that this is not rocket science. The, the stuff that I'm going to tell you today is um, not going to be a crazy new uh, way to look at this. 
I'm going to give you a lot of different tools and ways that you could think about adding execution to your organization, but it's not going to be uh, some crazy formula or um, a, a silver bullet that I'm going to give you today. So don't expect anything too crazy, but uh, hopefully the combination of the things that I'm going to give you today will be uh, helpful for you and you can take away some of these things and actually implement them in your organization. So let's get started. The first thing, which seems simple and stupid, but the first thing you got to do is plan. And so you got to think about as an organization, what is the end goal? What are we trying to achieve as an organization? Um, some organizations don't actually do this. And then they wonder why they can't accomplish things or, the, or they're always having the same discussions. Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be proactive and you've got to plan. Um, especially when I work with um, entrepreneurs who uh, kind of run by the, the seat of their pants and figure things out as they go, um, that can work for a little while. But especially as you get more and more of an organization and people around you, you really have to get on the same page and figure out where are we going as an organization and what's that end goal. So that's the first question and then what will get us there? So we've really got to set that long-term vision of where are we trying to head, what's our general direction, and then we've got to back into, okay, if that's where we're headed, then what is going to get us there? What are the next steps that we need to take over the next 90 days, over the next year? What do we as an organization all need to be doing in order to row in the same direction? And so I think this is very well illustrated by Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And some of you have probably read that, but it's it's always a good reminder to, to bring this back. And one of his habits is to begin with the end in mind. And he gives this illustration about if you are going to go and you're going to build your dream house, you and your, your family, um, this house that you're going to love, um, what you would not do is just hire up um, somebody to come and dig the basement for you. And they say, okay, well, where are the plans? Uh, you say, well, I don't know, just dig it about eight feet deep and I want it about uh, 2,000 square feet. So just just dig that, and then we'll figure it out. Okay. And then the, the concrete guy, and you know, and then the framer, and all this. And each person, you're kind of figuring it out as you go. And what you're going to end up with is this hodgepodge mess of a house that um, is kind of hobbled together because no one had a clear picture of what you're trying to do. Um, and so it just ends up not working and it's going to end up costing you more in the long run. You're going to end up with a worse product because you're figuring it out as you go. So in the same way, if we're not going to build our house without a plan and without creating that design in the end, then we definitely shouldn't do that with our organizations. But too often, that's what we do with our organizations. We we kind of figure it out as we go. Oh, well, uh, it looks like uh, there's an opportunity to bid this job. So let's let's go ahead and jump in here. Or the, uh, let's, let's do this and maybe we can hire a few people or, oh, this guy looks like he would be a good fit. So let's just hire him and bring him in and we'll figure out what to do with him. Okay, that is not beginning with the end in mind. We really have to know where are we trying to head and what are we trying to do and proactively think about that rather than just figuring it out as we go. So that's the first step is planning, which hopefully a lot of you guys already do. But then the second step that we've got to do here is to focus. And so before I get into what that means exactly, uh, I'd like to do the second polling question and just know when you think about your organization or your department, um, how many goals do you have right now? How many stated goals? Do you not have any? Do you have one to two, three to four, five to seven, eight plus? Hopefully you've got some, some clear goals that you know that you're working towards. So go ahead and take a second and vote. Okay, so it looks like 
we've got a good mixture here of people. Um, most people, 43% of you said uh, three to four goals, which is great. 17% said you got eight or more goals, which is quite a few. Only 4% of you said that you don't have any goals. And maybe that's because I said, who needs goals? Maybe you just don't have any goals because you haven't um, set aside the time to, to make those goals. Whatever the reason, it looks like a wide range here of goals. And I'm gonna come back to this and come back to what we need to look for when we're talking about goals and a number of goals. But first I'd like to continue with my Stephen Cubby um, and go with a second habit of his called put first things first. So let me explain this thing to you, um, uh, this quadrant layout. Basically he says if you graph things and tasks, you tasks are either urgent or they're not urgent, meaning urgent, meaning they're time sensitive, they've got to get done soon, otherwise something bad will happen. Not urgent, meaning um, uh, not time sensitive as much. And then they're either important or not important. Important meaning they're really important to do, important to get done, and if you don't, then something bad will happen again. Not important meaning uh, if, if I don't get it done, it's not that big of a deal. So if we look at quadrant one, quadrant one is things that's both important and urgent. And so those are things that often make up 90 to 95% of your daily time. They are the issues, deadlines, crisis, um, things that uh, your customers may need, things that your boss is requesting, things you they're urgent because you have to get them done soon, and they are important because if you don't get them done, uh, they that would be, not be good, right, for customer relations or, or whatever that might be. So Q1 is where we spend a lot of our time. When we think about Q2, these are things that are important to do, but they are not urgent. And so this is the quadrant of things that end up at the bottom of your, of your to-do list, and they keep going on your to-do list every week, but you never quite get to them. So that's kind of at work when you think about at home, those are things that you know are important to do. Those are your New Year's resolution items, right? Uh, read a book, exercise, eat healthy. So those are the prevention, the planning, and the relationships pieces. And so these are things that you really need to spend time on, but they're not as urgent. But what ends up happening, because this is the prevention quadrant, if you don't spend time on those Q2 activities of preventing things, then it's going to move and move over to your Q1 urgent um, quadrant. So if you think about um, eating healthy, if you don't eat healthy for your entire lifetime, eventually you might end up over in Q1 with a heart attack or some other thing that now is very important and urgent that you take care of. Same thing with relationships. If we don't put enough effort and time into our important relationships, that's eventually going to move over to a crisis, probably. So you, we've got to figure out how to make time for Q2, and I'll come back to that. Q3 are things that are not important, but they are urgent. Things like interruptions, like a phone call, like emails that are flashing up on the bottom right of your screen that are interrupting you, but they're probably not as important maybe as what you're working on. And so we've got to figure out how to minimize those things. Some meetings are like that where we have to uh, minimize those distractions and, and uh, figure out how to make them worthwhile. And then the fourth one is not important, not urgent. And these things are busy work, time wasters, things that we do just because we get burnt out usually in quadrant one. So that means I'm spending 98% of my time fighting fires up top. What usually happens is I get so tired and burnt out that I'm going to, when I've got a spare five minutes, instead of moving to quadrant two and working on something that's actually important and meaningful, 
I'm going to move to quadrant four because I'm so burnt out and I'm just going to mindlessly scroll through Facebook or play Angry Birds or whatever that might be for you because you don't have the capacity or brain power to, to work on anything else. So when we think about this, we want to try and minimize Q3 and Q4, and we want to try and prioritize the things that are in Q2. And so when we're planning as an organization or individuals, usually Q1 is just going to happen, but Q2 are the things that we want to plan, the goals we want to create, the things that are important but not urgent, and we've got to carve out time to get those things done. So. Because Q1 takes up the majority of our time, the problem, what we've got to do is focus on Q2 and we've got to limit our goals. Because if we've got 10 goals as an organization that I'm supposed to be working on, um, and I only have 5% of my time to do that, really, how many of those goals am I going to be able to get done? Probably not many. There's the old saying that if you set one to three goals, you'll probably get one to three goals done. You set four to six goals, you'll probably get three or four done. And if you get set seven or more goals, you will probably get zero done or one done. Um, if you if you try to do everything, then you'll actually end up doing nothing. And so this concept of focus is really important because when we go back to quadrant two here, we don't have tons of time. Most of us don't have much time to spend on these Q2 activities. So when we have that 5% of our time, we really have to be able to know what we need to be focusing on, know what we need to do next, and to spend our time on those few important things rather than trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. So we've got to limit our goals. So. The rule of thumb is probably three to seven goals for you as an individual or as an organization or department and trending more towards the three or four side rather than the high side. So make sure that you are limiting your goals, which means that you got to say no to some things, right? Focus is also going to help us have some clarity. And so as an organization, we all have to have visibility and clarity on, okay, what are the goals? So we've got to understand if there's four goals for our organization, does everyone know what those are? Is everyone rowing in the same direction? And additionally, they have to be SMART goals, which is just an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. Basically, are they specific enough so that we know if we accomplished it or not, right? If we set out to be the best customer service provider in the region, well, how are we even going to know if we've accomplished that? What's the metric? Or is that too broad and squishy for us to even know what we're going towards? What does that actually mean? And do we even know if that's attainable or how do we know if we've attained it? So you've got to have smart goals that you know without a doubt what they are and if we've accomplished them or not. We've also got to have a deadline for them because if we have a goal that can just happen whenever, then um, we're probably, if you're like me or other deadline sensitive people, uh, you're not going to actually uh, push too much and work too hard on that goal until you know that you've got to get it done. And so if there's no deadline, then it's probably not going to get done. And lastly, it's got to, we got to know who's the champion of this goal. So we've got to know uh, who is the responsible party. So the champion on this is not the person that's going to do every single little detail of this, but they are the one who is ultimately responsible to make sure that it gets accomplished. And so if there's if it's no one's goal, no one is the champion, then no one is accountable to it. And once again, it's probably not going to get done because it's uh, there's no accountability for it. So you got to have clarity on all of those things. What what are we actually doing? 
Is it specific enough? Do we have a deadline and do we have a champion for that? So make sure to have that focus. And then we can move to commitment. So commitment to these goals that we set forth. So I'm sure you guys have all been a part of an organization that sets a goal and say, says this is what we want to do. And the leadership team or the maybe just the CEO is committed to it. The CEO, this is their baby, this is their goal. But maybe no one else in the organization is on board with that. Everyone else thinks it's a stupid idea. No one asked them their opinion. Right. And so how much traction and execution are you going to get on a goal that only one person in the entire organization is pushing towards? You've got to have commitment. And so uh, this concept comes from Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team as well. So the third thing you've got to have in a functioning team is shared commitment. So Patrick says that to, to have commitment, you've got to have two things. First of all, it's what we just talked about of the clarity. To commit to goal, we have to be clear on what is the goal that we've committed to. And so it's got to be a smart goal that we all have a shared understanding of what it is that we're trying to do. And then the second piece to have a shared commitment is to have buy-in or involvement. And so once again, back to that idea, if the CEO, if this is his goal and no one else is bought into it, then it's really not going to go too far. And so in order to get commitment, you've got to involve people in this process. And, and the, some people say, well, I'm the boss. I'm going to tell them where we're going, what we're doing. Sure, that's, that's fine. But what you really have to do is <clears throat> to at least ask and involve people and make them feel heard to some degree. <clears throat> because most reasonable people, if um, you give them the chance, <clears throat> excuse me, to to say, uh, this is where I think we should go as an organization. If you give them the chance to do that, <clears throat> and everyone has a chance to <clears throat> be listened to and to be heard, and then the CEO or the management team decides, well, this is actually the direction that we need to go. Most people will say, okay, <clears throat> I know that you listened to me. I know that you heard what I was, my concerns and my thoughts. And so I will be committed to that, even though it's not my decision and not my idea that you're actually going with. If I felt heard and felt listened to, then at least I will know you considered what I was thinking and I can feel a lot better about buying into something rather than it just being pushed down to me from above with not getting any input from me at all. And so when we're thinking about commitment and getting people on board with these goals, there's some level of um, top-down decision-making that needs to happen, but also some level of involvement and buy-in that needs to happen <clears throat> to get people on board. So think about what that needs to look like for your organization. What would help people feel more involved and bought into what we're trying to do? <clears throat> okay, so the next piece then is accountability. <clears throat> and so accountability is holding people accountable for executing on the things that they know that they're supposed to be executing on. And so the first piece of this <clears throat> is just reviewing and being aware of what you're doing and how you're progressing. So, so <clears throat> the goals that we have, we've got to have some understanding of how are we doing on those things. Too often organizations that I work with might um, not know how they've done on a goal until they come back the next year to plan. And then they realize, oh, we didn't really make much progress. Let's keep that as a goal. Well, that's not really going to help with accountability if we are never tracking progress on goals or tracking um, our rocks or shorter term sort of goals that we might be having. So we've got to 
have our pulse on those and have our pulse on key metrics because most goals will have <clears throat> some key metrics that we could tie with those that would help us to be able to, to see, okay, how are we doing on this goal? Well, if our goal is to improve customer retention by X rate, then we should probably be measuring customer retention and see if we're actually improving that or not. <clears throat> and when we're thinking about this, a lot more that we can go into about leading and lagging indicators, but too often we're looking at just lagging indicators such as revenue growth or profit or customer retention, which, which is all looking in the rear view mirror at how we did in the past. We need to be also measuring some things that are looking at the future, at the leading indicators that we might have to see are we doing the right things now that are gonna get us to the, the results that we want in the future. So it's first of all necessary for accountability to keep your pulse on uh, what you're trying to to accomplish, but then back to Patrick Lencioni, you've got to hold people accountable. <clears throat> and so accountability is a really important part, obviously, of execution. So interested in your thoughts here on the next polling question, when you think about a team member, who is responsible for holding that team member accountable for reaching their goals? Is it the, their manager? the team, the board, no one, maybe that's the one that some of you would <clears throat> like to choose, but interested to know who who's the one that's responsible for holding people accountable. Give you a couple more seconds here for the rest of you all to vote. <coughs> Sorry, I got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> okay, looks like <clears throat> the majority of you have voted here. And so two-thirds of you say that <clears throat> the manager is the one who should be holding people accountable and holding a team member accountable for reaching their goals. About a third of you say that the team is the one. Well, <clears throat> maybe a third of you have read this book by Patrick Lencioni because when we think about who holds others accountable, it should be the team. <clears throat> too often, we think that managers are the ones that uh, should do it. But let me give you an example. So let's say that we all, um, let's, uh, what's a good example? Let's say we all um, are on a sales team and that we say we want to, to go and sell in this one new region, that we don't wanna waste any more effort on this other region. We're all gonna focus our efforts on this new region that's got the most potential. Okay, so we all agree to that. We're all very clear about that. We go out and then Jimmy is off two weeks later making sales calls in this other region that we all said that we weren't gonna spend time on because the best, our best effort was to focus on the other one. So what do we tend to do? Well, most of us being human, if we saw Jimmy do that, we might go straight to our coworker and say, hey, did you see what Jimmy was doing? He's overworking in this other territory. And then he, Jimmy does it again. You go back and tell your coworker again. And then enough of you guys are frustrated that you all go to your manager and say, hey, Jimmy's, I don't know if you know this, but Jimmy's off selling in this other um, location. And we said that we wouldn't, we need you to go and bring him into line, right? That's usually how it happens, but that's not how it should happen because if we as the team, as the sales team, all decided that our goal was to focus our efforts on the most promising sales region and somebody's off doing something different than what we decided, it's our responsibility as the team to go to Jimmy and say, hey, Jimmy, I thought that we all agreed that our best efforts were gonna be over here and we weren't gonna sell in that other region. That's the way that it should happen, even though it's more uncomfortable we as a team, if we've all committed to this together, we should be the ones that are doing this. Not in a harsh manner, not in a um, I told you so manner, but a, a, a team focused manner of saying, hey, I thought we all agreed to focus on this. I thought we all agreed to go this route. And 
the manager shouldn't have to be the one that you tattletale to. You should, as a team, focus on holding each other accountable. So I know that's a different sort of uh, approach, but when we think about as an organization, too often we're very lax and we don't know who's responsible, right? We see somebody's not focusing on their goals and they're not hitting their sales targets and we don't feel comfortable calling them out because, well, I'm not their manager, right? But if, if we as a team have set goals together, then we as a team should be able to work together to hold each other accountable to that in a loving manner. Um, and sometimes with accountability, you know, outside, some outside pressure can help, meaning if you know that you have a meeting with um, somebody outside your department or even outside your organization that you're going to have to report to quarterly or whatever it looks like, you're going to be much more uh, likely probably to to focus on and get stuff done if somebody outside is going to be holding you accountable. So that outside pressure can be helpful to, to just provide some structure and outside uh, viewpoint on things. Um, another last piece here, another tool for executing on your goals is get in a rhythm. So um, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a few examples of, of what this means as you try to, to use this in your own organizations. So uh, first of all, uh, we mentioned about momentum and how do you continue your, to continue your momentum. Um, when you think about an organization, a lot of times uh, you might have a high, like let's say you do a strategic planning retreat and you have a high, you come away, feeling like, yeah, this is great. We've got great goals, great direction. I'm going to go execute on, on them, much like you might have a lot of energy for a New Year's resolution right after the start of it. But then what happens is you get back to daily life, the daily grind and things, the momentum and that energy slowly fades away. And so, um, that's not obviously helpful. And, and there's an, another concept from Jim Collins called the flywheel, which basically uh, refers to those big flywheels that you've really got to push a lot at the beginning. You've really got to push hard and it's a lot of work to get this flywheel moving. But then once you push enough, you get it r rolling and it will continue uh, going as, as you're without as much effort. But the thing is you've got to, once it's going, you've got to keep pushing every now and then, otherwise it's gonna slow down. So we've got to figure out how to continue that momentum. And a big part of that is habits. So as humans, different studies have shown that it takes about 21 to 66 days to create a habit. So if you, exercise for 21 days straight, then um, it's more likely that that's going to stick with you and that you're going to uh, stick with that habit because it's something that you've learned as humans being creatures of habit. Um, if you think about in an organization, though, if you're just doing weekly meetings, you know, how many weeks of doing that is it going to take that repetition for you to to get uh, that into a habit, half a year to, to do that. So these things take longer than we often think because um, we like to push on something for two weeks and if it's not working, we give it up or we go back to the daily grind again. So we've got to figure out how do we create the right habits in our organization and how do we keep pushing that flywheel to to get through that difficult time and keep uh, keep the momentum going so that we can then have those habits that stick. Um, one tool that I think is helpful in this is what's called a level 10 meeting. And so this meeting is, uh, one way that you can structure it is basically you meet weekly, every week, the same day at the same time, and it's not anything that gets changed or moved around. People don't miss it unless they're vac on vacation or their grandma died, so they schedule around it. 
and you have the same agenda each week. The, there's a brief reporting, which is important because too many meetings, back to that quadrant three, are a waste of time because they're just report outs and they're just things that we don't need to all be sitting here in the same room talking about or listening to reports about. Um, too many meetings are focused on reporting and not actually discussion. And so the level 10 meeting is a brief report out, very high level, and then a brief report out about goals and how you're doing on your rocks and your uh, long-term goals that you've got. And then the majority of it is focused on discussing and solving issues instead of, again, reporting out um, it's focused on actually getting stuff done and getting to the bottom of things. And so uh, part of it is, I think, a really great tool that's called Identify, Discuss, Solve. So instead of spending most of the meeting just uh, spinning your wheels discussing things, really you got to focus on, number one, identify what's the root of this issue or this problem. Let's, number two, discuss it as much as we need to. And then three, push towards a solution. Instead of constantly rehashing things, let's solve the issue. Say, that's great. What's the next step that we can take? Let's move on. So I think that's a, an important tool that you guys can, can potentially use. And I'll speak a little bit more to that in a second. But as we do all this and getting into this rhythm, we've got to learn to create space for these conversations and these things to happen. Because again, back to quadrant one and quadrant two, quadrant one is going to tend to just overwhelm and take up all of our time. We have to learn to create space for those important things in quadrant two to get done. So we've got to have space for follow-up, following up on those goals that we've got. We've got to have space for attacking our rocks. So that's those goals, whatever those goals are that we have, we've got to create space for us to actually work on those instead of just having it always be on our to-do list. So number one, you got to create that space for the follow-up and accountability to create space in your um, meeting or your individual life to actually attack those rocks and get them done. And number three, uh, you've got to create space for bigger picture thinking. So to plan and to talk about those big issues. You've got to take a step back and look at the organization from a, a big picture view. Whether that's quarterly, maybe that's just once a year. Uh, you, if you don't do that, then you're not proactively planning and you're not putting first things or you're not uh, putting uh, the end in mind, uh, planning with the end in mind first. So those are some different tools that I'll review here in a second as we go through, but I thought it would be helpful to share an example or two of what this looks like uh, tangibly. So the first one is what's something called the entrepreneurial operating system, which I think has a good example of how you can do some of this execution. And so the level 10 meeting comes from that, but, when, but EOS is really just uh, three things. First of all, focusing on the vision piece getting everyone on the same page with where we're going. So that planning piece that we talked about. The second piece is the traction piece, which is that focused discipline and accountability to execute on those goals. And then the third piece we haven't talked about much today, but it's helping um, leaders become more cohesive team that can actually work and accomplish these things that we're trying to do. So EOS, the, the process that they've set forward, which I think is a helpful understanding is uh, having these uh, days that are set apart to uh, do focus down, to cast a vision for the future, and then living in these 90-day sprints, which are uh, coming back together for a day to think about the organization, to think about uh, what we need to be doing for the next quarter, and to rate ourselves and evaluate and hold ourselves accountable for what we were supposed to be focusing on in the last quarter. So, and then once a year doing annual planning, taking an even bigger step back. So in this, once again, they're creating that 
space and putting together a regular rhythm that every 90 days we're going to be getting together. We're going to be setting new uh, goals for the next 90 days. We're going to be holding ourselves accountable. We're going to be taking time once a year to look at the big picture. So uh, once again, a, a good example of what creating space looks like in uh, focusing on both that plan, but also the execution and accountability. Um, another example is a little, a little less refined, but it works really well too for an organization that I've worked with. So first of all, they uh, developed a three-year plan and they had uh, small goals for the year, a, a few number of goals, and they had a scorecard that they were able to keep track of how they were doing. And then the executive team meets monthly and they look at the scorecard, they look at the goals that they've got for the year, and they review progress, hold each other accountable for getting those things done. And then lastly, they meet annually once a year to look at and refine those goals for the next year to get towards that three-year vision, and then they plan again for three years and so on. So this has worked really well for them to create that space to both plan for the future as needed, but also to um, meet regularly enough for them to feel like they're holding themselves accountable for the future and for the goals that they're trying to get accomplished. So hopefully those two examples are helpful for you. Um, so maybe you guys are at, uh, you're sitting there and saying, well, I'm not really the decision maker in my organization. So how does this all, uh, how can I apply any of this? So let me give you a few tips here. So if you're not the decision maker, first of all, just start where you're at. Um, you can only control what you can control. So if it's only your own individual life that you can control, then uh, start there and start with proactive planning of what are the few things that I really want to accomplish in my career uh, this year. And then find a way to hold yourself accountable. Um, if you just have your department, then start there and just uh, gain clarity for your department on where you're trying to go and how to hold yourselves accountable to that. Um, as you do that, ask the right questions and try to gain clarity for yourself. So if your organization has five goals, but they're not really very clear to you or how you are supposed to be focusing on those, then ask the right questions and try to gain clarity for yourself at least of what goals here do I have and how do they apply to me? And then lastly, the biggest thing that you can do is to follow through. If you can exemplify this follow through and this execution and actually getting things done that you've been assigned or that you know you need to get done, that's going to speak volumes. And if you're doing those things, then I think uh, your organization might take notice and start to think about how they could apply some of those things to the organization as a whole. So just start there if that's where you're at. So as we wrap up our time here, just in review, the, the things that, the tools that I, you should try to use are, are, first of all, to plan, figure out where are we going and how do we want to try and get there, to focus your goals, not take on too much, put first things first, and uh, figure out what are the few things that are going to make the biggest difference. Figure out how to commit and get your team to commit to this, to be involved and bought in and have clarity on what those goals are. And then hold your team accountable, not just you, but uh, work with your teammates to all hold each other accountable. And you can go first as a leader if you are and, um, and show some uh, leadership and humility through doing that. And then lastly, figure out what kind of rhythm do you, you and your organization need? What would be helpful and what would work for you? Um, so each organization is different and needs something different. So figure out what works for you, but you got to figure out what rhythm we need to get uh, 
those habits and that follow-up that we need to have. So a couple useful resources for you. Um, Traction is that book uh, that outlines the EOS system, um, something that I implement and uh, is really great for a lot of organizations. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey that I, I mentioned, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, and also I think I mentioned uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great uh, is, is a great one if, if that's uh, not on your reading list. Uh, all of those should be if, if you, you can. Um, I'd also like to offer a free tool if you'd like, just have a simple Excel spreadsheet that is a scorecard that on one page can put goals, action items, measures, graphs, all of that, and champions. And uh, so if you'd like that, feel free to chat or send me an email. I'll give you my contact info here in a second, and I'd be glad to share that with you. Okay, so final polling question here. Um, I want to know what next step do you want to take? I want you to, to commit to something because um, all of this information is great, but if you are not actually uh, going to do something differently as a result of today, then obviously we have failed. So I'd like you to go ahead and commit right now to what do you need to do coming out of this in order to gain more traction and execution in your organization. Give you a couple more seconds here for everybody to vote. Okay, so, um, so a lot of you felt like you've really got to focus your goals, to, to narrow them down, figure out how to to make that happen. So that's a great goal of smattering of the others. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that the focusing, trying to take on too much is a really big problem with a lot of organizations. So it's, it's better to have a more narrow focus. So uh, good luck with those. Uh, figure out what next step you're going to take and do it.